Today on Writers Get Animated, we're talking about favorite things. And right now, Chris is doing like calisthenics or something in the background, which might be one of my favorite things of doing this podcast, like the exercise breaks, um, which isn't part of what we're talking about today, but stay tuned. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Good insert time of day, everybody. Welcome to Writers Get Animated. I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And I'm Chris Leva. <laughs> and today, we're not talking about anything that you would care about. We're talking about <laughs> ourselves. Oh, my uh, Yes. Yeah. Um, Our writers. Maybe each other. Yes. Not just ourselves. No, but... Us our, ourselves as writers. So let's 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 be a little bit more specific about and that, that. That's how we're writers because we're nitpicking the difference between ourselves and each other. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you didn't know, the name of the show comes from the name of the show being Writers Get Animated. If you <laughs> Thank didn't you for know, specifying um, the name of the show comes from the fact that both Chris and I are also playwrights slash writers. Yes, playwrights can also be called writers and. We get worked up about cartoon shows and that we get animated about them. Ha! Ha! This is finally the episode where we break through all the mystery. So no, no longer is it is the top spinning or no more is the it... The wheel of they crossover still is spinning. <laughs> it's, it's, you have the answer. We are actually writers who get animated. Although not in that sentence. True. Or writers who get animated. So today we're talking about shows that inspire us, which is really hard to make a short list of because obviously most of the things we've talked about in our run so far have been shows that have influenced us in some way or another. So our challenge was to come up with five shows each. And this, I'm promising now, will not be a long episode. I was about to say, we have to <laughs> let them know. This is okay. This is not going to be a very long episode. If you're on your drive to work, you don't have to, like, drive around the highway a couple times first. You can it's also okay. listen to it on your way home. Depending, I don't know how long their commute is. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't want to make assumptions. I like to assume an average of two hours. Got it. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we're going to talk about first, what, what, does, what does inspiration look like from cartoon shows versus, like, enjoying a show? I don't think I understand the question. Oh, I mean, like, so when do you, I mean, you generally, there are shows that I enjoy and there are shows that I enjoy oh, I and see. also inspire me to be a better writer or find new things. And something that goes beyond the joy of something. Yeah, like I, I'm trying to think of a good example, a show that I enjoy but doesn't inspire me now. Um, I really enjoy Gravity Falls, as I've talked about. I love it. I think it's great. I don't think that as a writer I got specific things out of it um if i'd seen it earlier in life of course i would have um but i feel like i've seen a lot of things in that that would have inspired me by now so i enjoy that show it's not on my list tonight but you enjoyed it mm -hmm. and i recommend it highly it's over sadly so possibly something for me would be like um star wars rebels mm -hmm. i enjoy it a lot mm -hmm. i enjoy watching it but it's not something that's necessarily influencing me creatively or constructively or teaching me something i have a really good time exactly with it yeah it hasn't taught me something yet i want it to teach me something i want to be inspired clone wars i feel i do feel inspired, inspired me somehow mm. i'm getting there with rebels i'm warming up and by the time this airs i probably will have been inspired by rebels because it's i think the season's ending before this episode airs possibly so if it has you should go back and watch it. If it hasn't, you should look forward to watching it. <laughs> so inspiration, something that we can learn something from, something that gets plugged into our toolbox and just say, you're just wowed by it. Something that impresses and goes beyond joy to just admiration. Mm -hmm. I want to have that wow moment where I, one of the shows that I'll mention today, I had a wow moment and then I spent too many late nights in high school just sitting in front of my TV like watching a marathon of this and going like it's three in the morning but I can keep going or maybe it's something where you it just lingers in your brain it's something that no matter what you can call it up 
and it it just sits there as an example of just something that you continually return to as a touchstone for a creative problem or a creative idea or something whether we don't necessarily i don't necessarily use these five shows that we're about to list for me or shows for you mackenzie um as oops i'm having a script problem time to go <laughs> to you know this show and solve it but it's those of well let's let's go look at that and see what the possibilities are it's just yeah something that made you you yeah as the, it goes through there's shows where i definitely consistently have a moment like wow i wish i wrote that yes yes which or, is also a lot of the favorite moments that we talk about <laughs> right <laughs> but shows that consistently have those yes <clears throat> absolutely hmm i guess for me um and my as we go back and forth a little bit, I'm I'm go back. I've thought about mine in terms of not specific episodes, but shows as a whole that I find value from. Like mm. if I did specific episodes, they probably would be from all shows that aren't on this list, from high points of different shows. But this is a series where it's consistently wowed me and inspired me in different ways. Mm. Um, and I'm gonna go in more or less chronological order of when they inspired me. Okay. And I had a really tough time at first picking between two shows I watched a ton of as a kid on original Incarnation Cartoon Network before they had original shows of Looney Tunes or Tom and Jerry. Hmm. And I ultimately settled on Looney Tunes. Okay. Um, and I think, trying to remember plots, like I remembered many more Looney Tunes plots than I do Tom and Jerry plots. I didn't watch a lot of Tom and Jerry. I mean, I did watch a lot of Tom and Jerry, but I don't remember a lot of Tom and Jerry. I was a big Tom and Jerry fan. Like, I saw the 90s reboot movie in theaters. The one where they talk? Yeah. Oh. As a writer, I was really impressed with, wait a minute, you can talk? All these years, you can talk? Me too. Like, I, I did not watch that movie, but I watched that in the trailers and was, how are they going to make a whole movie where they don't talk? And then... There, there, there we is. go. Uh, <laughs> I will give you one slow clap for that. I said one slow clap. Just one. I'm not just gonna, one. I'm not good. Let's not go too far. It was, <laughs> it was a necessary bad joke. I know that we've both talked about our love of Looney Tunes before, but yes. I, I think for me, like there's so much in it. It is, it's Looney. It's zany. It's watching cartoon improv. It's like someone did an improv routine and then someone animated it. It's hmm. like, well, here's a realistic problem of a hunter trying to kill this bunny rabbit. Wouldn't it be funny if the bunny rabbit dressed in drag to distract the hunter? Let's do that. What if it's not um, a forest anymore, but they're in outer space? Okay, let's do it. What if Daffy Duck was a space captain the same year that Star Trek is set? Because that was popular at the time. Right. Let's Duck do that. Dodgers. Which itself became a show. Uh, which we haven't talked about. It almost made this list because I love that show. <laughs> well, in a way, it sort of did. You have the uh, yeah, and actually, I wrote down Duck Dodgers as a specific Looney Tunes inspiration. Um, I feel like I've yet to go as Duck Dodgers for Halloween, but it, it's going to happen. I think you could do it. At I think some you point. could definitely pull that off. Yeah. Are you Daffy or Bugs? More is more of an influence, would you say? I wish I were Bugs, but I'm definitely more Daffy. Yeah. I get angry, but righteously angry a lot. Indignant. Indignant, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. About little things. Like, you can't just leave the crumbs in the bottom of the toaster. You got to clean it out because I'm sick of cleaning out the bottom of the toaster. And it just gets gross and it smells bad. It's the toaster. It's a communal property. This is an actual pet peeve of mine, and I could talk about this. I'm Daffy. Okay. <laughs> but late Daffy, not early Daffy. Okay, yeah, early Daffy's a little bit <laughs> like bugs on some sort of chemical substance. Or not on a chemical substance, and he is later. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Daffy Duck later in life gets <laughs> the right diagnosis <laughs> and suddenly is. <laughs> now it's just manifests in anger. So speaking of Daffy Duck getting medicated, this show taught me how to have fun. 
Looney Tunes did. Looney Tunes. Yeah. Okay, I didn't think about this episode of our show. Yeah, <laughs> our show. Our show. Gotcha, I'd have fun. <laughs> I didn't have fun doing the show until this episode. That's a lie. Um, so Looney Tunes so taught me how to have fun and to riff on ideas, as we also do a lot of here. So that's where a lot of my core humor comes from. It took me a long time to realize I like comedy. Hmm. Like playwriting in college is always like trying to be so serious and just tragic and talk about things that mattered all the time. And now I'm like, you know what? Butts are funny. They, and that's they okay. Are. They are. <laughs> I think a lot of um, my examples have to do with finding that humor too of it's okay to do a bad joke mm-hmm. and it's okay to do a bad joke for five minutes mm-hmm. and as long as you unless you're family your guy unless you're family guy and then <laughs> and it's just not funny right because you always do that exactly it can't be your thing it's okay to have a i'm not going to have a good metaphor for it but if you have one really well done bad joke <laughs> in there not littered amongst everything, you know, as long as it's one thing that's there. Mm-hmm. It's okay to have a bad joke. Just go for it. <laughs> as long as it fits the character, which I think where is where a family guy fails. Yeah. It's never about character. It never is. But going on from there. <laughs> so are you, are, that's is my that first show. From, okay. So I can go in order as well. Ooh, challenge accepted. Challenge. Uh, I will say DuckTales. Mm-hmm. Was a big influence for me. I don't think anyone's surprised by that. <laughs> what? <laughs> I looked. Okay, so uh, recently there's a, there's going to be a reboot of Ducktales in 2017. Recently, I saw the artwork for this show. They they released it on Instagram, and I saw that, and I had to look at my um, my heart rate, and it went from <laughs> 74. To 112. <laughs> I am literally, <laughs> it was more excited than I probably should have been, but I got very excited by that artwork. So, DuckTales. Um, the thing about DuckTales is it's ridiculous in terms of its concept, um, but it's epic and it allows itself to be epic in everything. The first episodes are four episodes where they're just going on a treasure hunt and it's a four part <laughs> it's a four part episode well ahead of its time in cartoon world yeah it's huge um and but the episode that i chose specifically was super ducktales which is a four part it was a 2 hour event i remember like being somewhere and knowing that i had to watch it all the way through and people were just staring at me family members as i was you don't understand um, back when they were when you called it the boob tube when you sat in front of it for too long well I was I was just super excited because it had the the um, origin story of gizmo duck oh, so yeah. not only was it ducktales but it was a superhero origin story but it was a superhero um, Fenton crackshell who lived in a trailer with his mom and he wasn't bumbling but he had one talent which was he could count things very fast (laughs) that that was his talent and he was you know unqualified to do anything else except count money which is really helpful for scrooge mcduck because he has (laughs) a lot of it so to make sure that the beagle boys got all the money back and and what i learned from ducktales is you have to or you don't have to but you can go really huge Mm -hmm. you can go really huge but you could also make it your own. So if you do a superhero story, make it silly, make it completely your own. Just go go with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just loved how far they went. They just, every story was just epic. And I remember so many moments, but the um, Super DuckTales with Gizmo Duck was pretty much the one that I remember. And I have not seen it in a long time, but I can see exact moment. Like I'm playing them in my head as I talk about it. It's amazing how much it stuck with me. But oh yeah, of all the things in childhood, it's like I remember things on TV more than my own life. Sometimes the storytelling of it is just so strong. They they did so <laughs> well with Ducktales. Is all about plot. They don't. They do jokes, but it's all about plot and pacing and structure. And I, 
I just enjoy that about DuckTales. You wouldn't expect that from DuckTales, but... No, it's very well made. It's, it's very much... Um, uh, it's more about the story. So comic book-ish in terms of having it plotted out. But, and they don't really give you a lot of explanation about certain things, but they don't, they're not afraid to have aliens or time travel or superheroes or anything. They're just whatever. They, they will go through it, and it'll be huge. So, DuckTales. DuckTales. Anyway. <laughs> um, now we're doing bad theme song impressions, apparently. <laughs> I suppose so. It had to happen. My next show, which I, I've said before on the show we don't talk about enough, is Gargoyles left a big impression on me. I bought um, you a DVD. You did. You bought me that DVD because it was only available through Disney Movie Rewards or something. Yeah. <sighs> And Chris is more of a Disney head than I am. So he could order the DVD for me <laughs> so I could have the rest of Gargoyles in my ownership. Um, I think this show I also also had started with a five-part episode and had several multi-parters throughout it. Um, and I think a lot of who I am is based on Gargoyles. Like, so much of it has stuck with me. None of the characters are really bad Hmm. They're all good at some point. They all have like a team up. Um, Macbeth specifically really stuck with me. I love Macbeth. I love that you do like, oh, here, here's a cool Shakespearean character. What if he were immortal, kind of like the Highlander, and was a billionaire in modern day Scotland and had a bloodthirst for gargoyles? Okay. And then let's explore his back tale of the actual play Macbeth and have the three witches be characters on here. And what if other Shakespeare plays are real? What about, uh, you know, Titania and um, Oberon also? What if they're the king of the fairy world? Okay, cool. So really, you can be literary and be in depth is what I got from that. You don't have to be good or evil. Um, and you can adapt. And Oh, there's so much richness in there. I love it. And this is my first, like, in typical, like, 80s, 90s cartoon fashion. There was, at one point, like, a multicultural message of the week. Right. It's like, in this week, the gargoyles are in Africa talking to Anansi the spider. <laughs> and I love that. In retrospect, maybe not that great, but um, I think as a kid, you need to have like that show that you love. It's a, a different part of the world every week for a while. I, I, I think I would agree with that. I would totally agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> the exploration of it. Mm -hmm. um, have you... If, if they re did a reboot of Gargoyles, would you want to be on the... Oh, my God. I can't talk about it enough. I, Gargoyles is the first show where I have followed everything the creator's done since then. Like, I follow... Um, oh, I'm going to mess it up. I should look at pronunciation. Greg Wiseman or Weissman. Should have looked it up. Don't know. Wiseman, I'm going to go with. Let's go with Greg. Love you, Greg. You're on Twitter a lot, so maybe you see this. Sorry. Um, <laughs> followed his other shows that he's worked on, um, including season one of Rebels. Hmm. Mm, mm. Um, Spectacular Spider-Man. Um, I did enjoy Spectacular Spider-Man. Young Justice. So, you do love Jung? I'm kind of a fan. Young Justice. That's Jung like, Justice. That's, like, that's slightly different. Um, and I just, I love his story, too. I think he's so inspirational. He was like an adjunct part-time English professor and then got his own cartoon show. This is the life that I want. <laughs> <laughs> How can you say no to that? Um, so I would definitely work on a Gargoyles reboot. I think it's ripe for one. I don't know why they haven't done it. Um, I keep waiting for Gargoyles to be a world in Kingdom Hearts, but that hasn't happened yet either. <laughs> <laughs> I want to play that. Yeah. Sure. So for me, the second one, let's see, what do we have? Going. I didn't write them in order. I should have written them in order. <laughs> oh, Another duck. <laughs> Another duck. Another duck. I have a lot of, again, ducks. 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 I don't know. My own cartoon character as a kid, there was a dog and there was a duck. So, Goofy-ish and Donald-ish. <laughs> but um, that's, that's not was not their names. Um, but Darkwing <laughs> Duck. Um, Darkwing Duck is, taught me a couple different things. One, 
you can have tonal shifts in your episode or your story. You don't have to have it be painted all one particular way. Mm -hmm. You can be super goofy in one scene and the next scene be super, super dark. And not literally super goofy, like the word super goofy, not Correct. goofy as a superhero. That's right. That would be something else entirely. But would fit into the world of that show. It would. Absolutely. <laughs> super goofy would be a great part of of that. In some ways, Darkwing Duck <clears throat> was a spinoff of um, DuckTales because Launchpad from DuckTales is a character in there. And there was an episode, a couple of episodes with um, Gizmo Duck visiting St. Canard where Darkwing Duck takes place. Um, but it taught me a lot about tonal shifts. You don't have to be one note. You can go through either episode by episode, be completely different. You can have a scene where it just is really, really touching and really heartfelt and then go for something that's just a really bad joke the next scene, and that's okay. Um, also, your hero can be an idiot. <laughs> um, not saying that Drake Mallard is an idiot, but there are moments where he makes a lot of terrible choices, and it's all based on his fatal flaw of his ego. Mm. Wanting the recognition... But being a dark-based um, Batman-ish superhero where your goal is to not be noticed, <laughs> but wanting the spotlight. So, it, <laughs> he... That's good. I never noticed that before. But there's, there's this huge thing where you have to... His character flaw it goes completely against his goals as a superhero. <laughs> but... <laughs> there, it, it it just allows for that. Um, but being knowing that you're doing this show about mystery and about expectation and structure as well. Um, I say expectation because whenever Darkwing Duck appeared, he had blue smoke, and he would always say something. The first one was, "I am the terror that flaps in the night. I am the blank that blankety blanks your blank." I'm Darkwing Duck. That sounded a lot worse than it did because I, I just couldn't think of one. I am the gum that sticks to your shoe. You know, something like that, but better. Mm -hmm. um, there was, so, but it always is that one, two, and the joke was always in the second one. But there was an episode, and I wish I could remember where it was, where there was red smoke. And it just came up red smoke. And I was like, oh, man, the animators made a mistake. And Darkwing Duck says, I am the terror that flaps in the night. I am apparently out of my trademark blue smoke. <laughs> so, so there was that lovely, beautiful expectation of, yeah, we all get it. And we all know and playing with that expectation. But also, you know, having just having fun with it. So I got that from Darkwing. So I, I enjoy Darkwing a lot. He gave you a gift. He gave me a gift. Including a secret identity. Yes. Sorry, Drake. I did not spoilers. mean... Spoilers. <laughs> spoilers. Drake Mallard is dark when you talk. <laughs> uh, my next one is kind of a cop-out, speaking of superheroes. Uh, my next one I put down is the DC Animated Universe. Specifically, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. under Bruce Timm's helming, uh, which is then Batman the Animated Series, Superman, the New Adventures, right? Super, Superman the Animated something. Superman, Superman the Animated. 90s Superman. 90s Superman. Uh, and then the new Batman Adventures. That's where I got that from. Batman Beyond, Justice League, Justice League Unlimited. There's a couple movies in there. Mask of the Phantasm, Sub-Zero, Return of the Joker, Static Shock, which I neglected, but I have only seen a handful of them, kind of saving it because I don't want to see the last of this universe. Um, <laughs> and there's a lot that can be said about this and can be gotten out of this, but for me... The two big things are long-form storytelling. Very long-form. Because if form. you count all of it, it's a show that lasted... Oh, when did it end? Like 2008? Mm -hmm. So about 16 years. And that was like, what happened in the past mattered, unlike The Simpsons most of the time. So that may be like the longest story told in cartoons so far. Um, also, it's about making what may traditionally be... Um, speaking of high art and low art from our one of our previous episodes, um, taking something that's traditionally low art, those comic books, and making it more high art. And I think the DC animated universe is what really put superheroes back in the 
mainstream mind again. Because I will admit, I love my superheroes. I don't like reading the comics because it's they're so hard to follow. They come out all the time. It was like five Spider-Man issues a month for a while. Like I, I'm not going to do that. I can't do that. Um, and this just took everything about these characters and put it in one show. We had a new episode a week, possibly, if that. Mm-hmm. And consistency, too. And consistency. And it of all story and character. Grew, and it all came back, and things mattered. There was payoff, and there was setup, and there was... And I will say world it. World building. This is the only version of Superman that I like. Not even Dean Cain. Don't give me... <laughs> oh, my God. That was the worst look. Sorry. Uh, the the look was quizzical, not spiteful, for those oh, okay. of you listening. <laughs> okay. It's just... Uh, that's... Um, black and white Superman? No. Okay. I've shamed myself. You don't know who Dean Cain is? No. Lois and Clark Superman. Oh, Lois and Clark! No. That was fine. Like, I enjoyed watching with my mom in the 90s, but... That, that's like saying, I like Smallville. Sorry, Smallville lovers. I said it. Tom Welling does so much <laughs> acting with his eyebrows. It's amazing. You, you, you can't even begin to fathom the depths of emotion in Tom Welling's eyebrows. He must have had like some specific like muscle workout for his forehead before <laughs> he prepared for each season. Anyway. <laughs> so DC so, Animated Universe, that's mine. Okay. So my third, I'm going to go with um, Freakazoid. Mm. Superheroes, my goodness. Like, There's a chunk of superheroes here in the middle. I, I suppose, That's when superhero shows were good in the 90s. I suppose. And early 2000s. So what happens with Freakazoid, it, you end up with a superhero created through the internet. He, <laughs> he gets, a, <laughs> he gets a, a code that his cat randomly types in. He tries to hit the delete key and he gets sucked into his computer um, because there was a malfunction with his chip. Um, in the computer, which you learn about, I think, like nine episodes into season one. They tell you the origin of Freakazoid. <laughs> Suddenly it became important. Um, <laughs> so a nerd who says, freak out, and he becomes Freakazoid, wearing a big F with the exclamation point on his chest. Um, there are layers to this show talking about it as an adult. <laughs> there are lots of layers. <laughs> what I learned from Freakazoid is that you can break all your rules. Not just the rules that you yourself have created, but you can break all the rules of everything that you're making fun of as well. So don't be afraid to just throw something out there. So I think for me, it was one of the first shows with cutaway jokes, where you cut away to something else and see what's going on over there and then slide back. I can't remember mm. a show before seeing Freakazoid that did that as frequently or as well. Was it before or after The Critic? That I don't know. I feel like it's after. <clears throat> Pardon me. Homework. Not homework. official homework time, but regular but I'll have homework. to figure that out. Yeah. So it may have been very near the same time, but I remember Freakazoid as in doing the bad jokes, but doing them really well. <laughs> um, there's, there's an episode, it's called House of Freakazoid slash Sewer or Later. And there are two jokes in the sewer or later. Um, they tell Freakazoid, you have to go down to the sewer and capture Cobra Queen. You have to, she's, you gotta go catch her. And he says, there's no way I am going into the sewer. No possible way that I am going into the sewer. So they cut away to the sewer and they spend a little bit of time there and you see it's empty. <laughs> and then it cuts back to Freakazoid at his house and he's like, I told you I wasn't going down there. <laughs> so playing with that. But also later on when he does finally actually go into the sewer, which he hates because it smells like poo gas, he says. True fact. <laughs> There's a really lovely joke where he's walking in the sewer and he's far away and you hear him and he says, Oh, I hope that what just floated by was a candy bar. <laughs> <laughs> and everything is just encapsulated in that one joke. Side note. I love that every sewer and every cartoon episode ever 
is like an old school 17th century sewer that you can like stand up and walk through. It looks like Les Mis. It does. <laughs> Just because New York City has sewers like that doesn't mean that any other city does. I, I feel like there's there's cutaway jokes of like people doing a scene from Les Mis that we miss <laughs> out on anytime there's there's something going on. Um, and Freakazoid would have been a show to do that. But they, they just threw all kinds of weird jokes in there. I mean, it was just, they broke every rule. I just remember Relaxovision, <laughs> where it's when things would get a little too scary, they would cut away to like happy things like people on a carousel and happy music <laughs> playing. It was like the theme to... Um, a summer place or something going on and then we just go back to the episode when things were okay again but they were just like hey, how about this weird thing let's just go for it just break the tone constantly just break the tone constantly it was just the weirdest thing and i just couldn't i i sat there confused most of the time but really enjoyed that they would just go there and sometimes it would happen so fast you wouldn't know it <laughs> so just like the head of warner brothers describing the g pg pg 13 r rated <laughs> ratings for movies his explanation of everything just goes by really fast and you're just like am i really watching this what is happening here? <laughs> it's just really well done but you're just like yeah there's they're spending time on this they're spending time on that it was amazing i mean you gotta have it. it's like the the random the random don't be afraid of the random. I try not to be afraid of the random. I try not to be. Uh, I'm going to skip ahead. Go ahead. 2000s for me now. Okay, we're going up. My only show on this list that's still on the air, The Venture Brothers. How and can you say it's still on the air? It just they're got currently back on the air in again. a new season. <laughs> they're never canceled. They just spend three years between seasons. So it's at six seasons in 13 years now. <clears throat> And what I like is it's been around so long. It's gone from a parody of adventure shows and super science to like lamenting the fact of the normalcy of real life. And then now in the latest season, they're talking about like, you know what? Super science is great. Let's do super science and try to change the world. It's <laughs> the whole spectrum here. You get everything. Um, and there's so many moments of Venture Brothers that stick out to me. Uh, making fun of shows. There's a whole episode. It's like Revenge of the Mummy's Tomb Part 2 and it starts in the middle of an adventure and you don't get any of the backstory. And everyone has like these weird tools and there's these weird situations and it doesn't end. It just, the episode ends but there's no Part 3. There's no Part 1 and no Part 3. I think when I first realized this was a special show though, um, and I, I've seen other people talk about this, one of the first season episodes because Dr. Venture is running out of money, he decides he's going to have a yard sale for super science and he has to get all this security from like um like the the secret national security agency <laughs> and the build-up is like them preparing for this and briefing all these soldiers and seeing what's going on and they ask like brock the one of the main guys like are you ready he goes yeah he throws down a yard sale sign like yard sale today <laughs> and all the super villains and all the super scientists show up and are browsing this yard sale <laughs> of all these weapons <laughs> and it's insane um the uh, the henchmen in this show taught me to really explore things at first the henchmen are main characters and the henchmen become the best characters very quickly um at one point they stop henching and they get back into it and they do this they find out and you see their home lives and one lives in his mom's house like on the internet and he's like i'm blogging <laughs> <laughs> and the other one has a, uh, what is it? It's a, I think it's like a Nissan Stanza. It's my 93 Nissan Stanza. <laughs> and they get the call from their boss and he's like, I'm in my, I'm in my home base. It's wrecked. You're not here. You're going to get over here. You're going to clean this up. I'm going to take a shower and I'm going to get back out and you're going to have a henchman army. And he hangs up. And the two henchmen decide they're going to sing a theme song and they just start mouthing the words to Gustav Holst planets. Like the, uh, not words, but the tune uh, to classic music. It's the the Mars Bring of War. The da -da 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 -da. And one pulls up honking his horn to the beat. Like, this is a magical show. We can explore <laughs> the henchmen and how they really, 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 really want to be henchmen. Hmm. 
and are just at their core, they're nerds who want to be the thing that they look up to. They're both into comic books. Uh, they love superheroes, but they're the henchmen. <laughs> um, and there's so much magic to this show. I can't talk about it enough. And it's definitely an adult show. I guess that teaches that no character is expendable. Don't be wasteful with your characters. And characters do die in the show, but it is... It's true. None of them are expendable. Well, I don't mean expendable or wasteful in terms like don't miss wasted opportunities because it's a character who's just serves one tiny little purpose or something. And all the characters come back. Just give it something. <laughs> give it something. <laughs> this is a complex world. It's hard to get into if you don't start from the beginning. Yeah. They all go to college together. <laughs> There's so much. Big world. It is a big world. Not as big as Simpsons. Which you could have put Simpsons, but I know I wanted to have one adult humor show, so I went with Venture Brothers. Okay, so I'll go with Simpsons. Um, specifically, one episode: City of New York versus Homer Simpson. <laughs> it's season ten, I believe. Kalkalash. <laughs> no stick, stick. <laughs> Which we said at one point we we're going to look up for three old. You keep talking. I'm going to look up Kalkalash. <laughs> um, just the idea uh, that episode in particular just reminds about. You you focus on the simple humanity, and that's where the humor comes from. If you distill your character down to the simple humanity of of what they're having to deal with, you just that's where all the jokes emanate from in this episode. So getting Homer on his car stuck in um, World Trade Center, waiting for his car that's been has a boot on it. Tickets everywhere, having to wait for the, the traffic guy to come and having to stay at that spot and just waiting and waiting and the waiting behind that. And then just needing to needing to pee because of all the um, crab juice he's <laughs> he's had. Um, <laughs> it's just we have Mountain Dew or crab juice. Oh, 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 I'll take the crab juice. <laughs> I would say the same thing, um, but he, um, but that that idea that it, it just boils down to that that it's just so the problem is so simple and so small it's so wonderful. But then also being able to do just parody, do parody of New York itself, do parody of Broadway shows, um, just. Ha parody is so ripe in The Simpsons, that, but that was an episode where they did it so, so well. Don't they do cats in that episode? Um, they do checking in. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> A musical romp through the Betty Ford Clinic. <laughs> checking, checking in. I'm checking in. He's See, this is still my head. In. It's just amazing. I mean, it's just... <laughs> they just nail it. They just nailed it so that they did a double parody, a parody of, you know, of celebrity life and of Broadway at the same exact time. <laughs> and it was it was beautifully done, beautifully rendered. It was just so well done. Choreography was a little lacking. <laughs> but well, with with that mixed review <laughs> that doomed Broadway's checking in. <laughs> Oh, checking in. I'm going to go the complete opposite direction, and I'm going to drop the A-bomb, which we have not yet done on this show. My last show that inspires me as a writer is an anime series. Dun, dun, dun. Um, I don't know what I was going to do. <laughs> you, you were really ready to say something. I, I was going to real. I realized what I was going to do is a visual gag, and it doesn't work in a podcast. I was, yeah, I was going to do something like that, but like, do like, like the, animated, the animated oh, the speed lines, lines. The speed, the speed lines, lines behind where you freeze and go, Whoa! You can't tell what we're doing, and it sounds way more racist than it is. It does. Um, after doing our diversity episode. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, but you know, you know the thing where the character freezes and they're like making a sound, usually a vowel sound of like, ah! Oh, most of the time with the action lines, they're not frozen. They're like jumping through the air in a spin kick. Right. And then the lines are flashing by them. Yeah. So I know. I, know. I was trying to do that, and then I realized midway through that that one, it would sound bad, and two, that you wouldn't be able to see it. And then we spent two minutes on it. Anime. <laughs> I, I'm going to lead by saying 
I'm not the biggest anime fan. However, my dear sister, when she was in middle school and high school, is a was a huge anime fan. So I saw a lot of different anime through her. And some things have stuck, and there are ones that I respect and like and have good things going for them. Um, but I remember late in high school, late at night, I caught one episode of something on Adult Swim after it just formed, and it just like, it was the last two minutes of an episode and it blew my mind so much. <laughs> I had to keep watching. And this is what I'm referring to is staying up till 3 a.m. Like watching marathons of this, like what's going on? I don't understand. And this is um, <laughs> Wolf's Rain, which is not like one that you've heard of by any means. It's an, uh, I don't know how to describe it. The main idea of the show, which is very Japanese, um, is that there are, it's some kind of near future post-apocalyptic world of Earth, where the economic divide has gotten so bad that most of the rich people went into outer space and fought a giant war after some kind of nuclear winter and have left the Earth, but there still remains of space falling onto the Earth. And then wolves were hunted to extinction because they can also pretend to be human and appear human. So everyone thinks that wolves are extinct, but there are some of them who look like humans wandering around. And they're trying to get to paradise. And they find this girl who's a flower, but also a human who's genetically engineered. Again, this is all the first episode. Okay. <laughs> but the main show, it's these, it's these wolf-human people and this flower girl trying to find paradise. And they're like against these super elite nobles who rule various parts of the world. But the most interesting characters are the ones who are just human. <laughs> In the middle of this, there's a guy who just hates wolves and he's like, the, like this drunk Western dude. He's like this drunk Clint Eastwood Japanese knockoff. And I love him. And then there's a husband and wife, and it's all about their romance and their failing marriage, and they have nothing to do with the main plot of the show, and I love them so much. <laughs> um, I own this entire show on DVD. Every time I rewatch it, I get something new about the backstory. Um, are you looking it up right now? I, I am looking it up. <laughs> my mental images, um, I, I could not stand my mental images. I needed to get real ones. It's... For a while. It's definitely a violent show. There's lots of blood in it. It's it's very <laughs> post-Princess Mononoke in terms of style and design. Um, and I, this show taught me about backstory and how you don't have to explain everything. You can just do stuff. Hi, Siri. I don't know what she's doing. <laughs> she's not going to get that. <laughs> she wasn't. She said, interesting question. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so this show, which is only 26 episodes long, if you don't count the four clip episodes they have in the middle. Clips? How can you have a clip show of a plot-based... Okay. I will, I will take your gestures and ignore it. I think it was two seasons in a, in a, like a TV movie in Japan, but between the seasons they did four clip episodes, so it's like... 11 episodes and then they did four recap episodes because it was like two years between seasons something they did the other half of the show and they stopped doing it they thought that was a good ending and it didn't resolve anything so i said like well let's make a tv movie and because no one's heard of this i apologize because here's a spoiler they spend the final four episodes a tv movie gruesomely killing off every single character so you just start watching and everyone you know is dying in like these emotional ways. It's just like two hours of crying. He's just judged from an emotional turning point. And he's cuddling with the little wolf that he hated. And now they're together dying. This is like the, the, the most nerd you're going to get out of me as far as shows that I love. I love oh my Wolf's Rain. And I'm probably going to go home and watch an episode because I haven't watched it in forever. Okay, I'm, I might have to go watch the first episode of Wolf's Rain tonight. It's insane. I'm just going to preface that. Okay. It's insane. <laughs> so, <laughs> my final show. <laughs> insane in a different way. Yes, insane in a different way, but also Adult Swim. Insane in the mainframe. Insane. Got no brain. Um, Futurama. Mm-hmm. Futurama, the biggie for me um, in my adult life. Um, Futurama started when I was in college, and I would, you know, I, I really enjoyed wow. Futurama. Did I just age myself? No, you aged me. Oh. 
I think I was in fifth grade. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, maybe it was late high school. I remember watching it with my friends Megan and Christy. Um, but at least the first season. Um, but I chose a specific episode, The Devil's Hands Are Idle Playthings. That's the only one you can Which is choose. really the best episode of Futurama. There are four episodes of Futurama that you can watch and then end with that one and be okay and not have to watch any of the others. So you can watch the very first episode of Futurama. You could watch the um, Time Keeps on Slipping episode of Futurama. I love that one. And the Worms episode of Futurama. I can't remember the title of that one. Parasites Lost. Parasites Lost. So first episode of Futurama, Parasites Lost, Time Keeps on Slipping, and then this episode. That is the entire emotional plot arc of the first half of the show. That's exactly right. Before it got renewed three times. (laughs) Right. Which... I think I'm glad it did. I'm, I'm so glad there was more Futurama, but the Devil's Hands are Idle Playthings is the best. It's a, it's the huge pinnacle of Futurama. I feel because of structure, structure-wise, that episode is really terrific. It has one of the best jokes ever. My wife quoted it just the other day. This joke. Which one? Um, in order to do that, you might have to metaphorically <laughs> make a deal with the devil. And by devil, I mean robot robot devil. devil. And by metaphorically, I mean get your coat. (laughs) Best line ever. I aspire to that line. That line I hold. That is the ultimate joke. As the ultimate joke for me. Like, that's the ultimate Chris Leva joke. That's what I aspire (laughs) to be. You talk about inspiration and aspirations. Like, that is it. That joke right there hung over my doorway. Not, not literally at this point, but <laughs> like creatively just staring off into that, like, oh, I, atten- I aspire to be that joke or to have that joke. Just the construction of it. I the also love that every English teacher could show this episode to define irony. Yes, which a lot of people don't know. I had a um, one of my play, playwriting um, gurus. Um, a man named Joe Guilford, when I was first getting into playwriting, I said, I'm a playwright, you know, when you have to say that you are, <laughs> and then you start writing the plays. Um, <laughs> I think I'd written one play and was like, yes, I got this. This is awesome. <laughs> um, and he tried to explain irony, and he defined it. It says, irony is a simultaneous delivery of two conflicting points of view. And then he stared at me a long while. And I remember just like getting this huge stare. And he says, write that down. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't realize I had to take notes. <laughs> and, then, and then he repeated it, <laughs> staring at me, making sure that I wrote it down. <laughs> so as you can see, it's drilled into my head, this particular, his definition of irony. See, I'll just always have Zoidberg saying, now that's irony. <laughs> exactly. Oh. Uh, but that that episode, the you can if you are true to the emotion, if you talk about Homer Simpson being true to you know just the the character, this was true to the absolute emotion of the character and being honest with it about what they're going for. The end of that episode is so quiet and well mm. done. I just oh, it's so perfect. I love that. That ending is just so sweet. Sound of a holophoner. And it's okay to be sweet and messy, and it's okay to have a happy ending, and it's okay to have it be a little bit emotional and crummy and funny, and because it was true and honest. Mm -hmm. Oh, it was true and honest. Oh, I'm feeling things. The feels. The feels. They're inside me. So, I think. I feel like that whole episode was our, our favorite things. Ever, (laughs) but it's those things where you do go back to it as a writer. Like I said, those are the jokes that I aspire to. They remind you of possibility, and if anything, as a writer, that's what you have to be reminded of: is possibility, possibility, specificity, storytelling, structure, like all these things that we've that we're told. But these are the things that you love and enjoy that also act as these reminders of, look, here it is. And it just sticks with you. Here's what you can do with animation. Yeah. 
And I think, and we might talk, say this for a future episode, but I think theater has a lot in line with animation. Oh, absolutely. I have a whole, I wrote this essay in college. Did you too? Yeah. I think I have blog posts. Fine. We'll have to compare notes. <laughs> That's all I was saying. I was trying to say that we're compa- we, we should compare notes. Anyway. Anyway. Um, I, I have some unfinished business today. Go ahead. So, we did What's Opera Doc recently. And uh, just, I was today reading some through my, my blogs that I follow. <laughs> um, and one of my favorite uh, film blogs, birthmoviesdeath.com. <laughs> Which is, that's not a sentence, that's things in life, birth, then movies, then death. Um, Writes about film, and there's a wonderful article called Sam and Ralph and the Contagious Idealism of Chuck Jones, and it's by Russ Fisher, March 16th, 2016. Um, And it's all about the humor and what Looney Tunes and Chuck Jones' style has to do with American politics. And I thought that fits so well with our What's Opera doc, even though it's literally Nothing to do with that episode. <laughs> it works. It does. So check it out. I recommend it. Should we do homework time? Homework time! <laughs> Next week, we're going to be talking about um, crazy ideas. W- Things that are off the wall. Yes. Things where you might say, what the... Fudge nanny? I was going to say Fred Ruckers. Oh, Fred Ruckers is a good one. Not a good burger. No, probably not. <laughs> uh, I don't remember them being good. But um, So we're, we're talking about these crazy ideas that come out of left field, good ideas and bad ideas. Not the Animaniacs good idea, bad idea segments, <laughs> but... Um, but along those lines. But along those lines. Animaniacs is part of this. <laughs> so, um, for homework time, if you want to check out a couple episodes, you can check out two episodes of Steven Universe if you want to. Uh, season 1, Episode 4, Together Breakfast. Season 2, Episode 9, We Need to Talk. Um, you can find them on Cartoon Network. You can go search for them. Mm-hmm. Um, also... If you would like to watch an episode, you don't have to, please. You don't have to. <laughs> episode of Yogi's Space Race. Uh, you can watch the first episode of that. It's exactly what it promises. Please. Honestly, if you want to watch just the theme song, that's okay. But Yogi's <laughs> Space Race, that's what we're going to talk about next time. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm going to go with... Uh... What I'm going to end with? I'm going to end with, ignore me! Good night, everybody.